Hey, my name is Chris Jensen, and this is a special series of my life, and welcome to it, called It's Not About Me, It's About Us, where I interview my friends one at a time to talk about things we know about each other, how we met, common experiences, new things, and basically how we are living through this time period with, uh, with the coronavirus disease. So sit back and enjoy as you listen to this episode's interview. Hey, Dave. Hey, how's it going, Chris? It's going good. How you doing? I'm doing well, all things considered. <laughs> my guest today is Dave Edwards. Uh, he's my friend who drew the art for the podcast, and I thank him very much for that. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, Dave is one of my... Uh, I was going to say oldest friends, but what I actually mean is uh, I've known Dave for a very, very long time, and um, I'm happy to have him on as a guest, finally. Um, We were housemates for many years. We met through um, uh, Japanese martial art called Aikido, and um, we've been friends for through many different experiences, celebrations and trials. And, um, so, uh, I don't know what more I can say about Dave, uh, except that, you know, we get along great, and um, I'm happy to, to share this with you. Uh, today is uh, April 18th. This uh, interview was conducted on the 28th of March, Using Skype, and um, eventually here I'm I'm uh, switching over to a different type of rec- recording. Um, that won't be, however, for for a few more episodes. So um, I hope you enjoy this. I hope it's uh, not too noisy. And uh, let's meet Dave. All things considered, yeah, oh, no kidding. There's a lot to consider right now too. There's a lot yeah. to consider. I remember I woke up uh, this morning at 1.30. My mind was going a mile a minute. 1.30 a.m., right? And I, I'm like, okay, this is stupid. So uh, I just, you know, lie in bed and I don't go back to sleep. So at 2.30, I just get up, make coffee, and start my day. Needless to say, I'm a little tired right now. But this is a, it's a weird time right now. I, I have not, this is the first time where I've not experienced a good night's sleep. Um, mm. so that was interesting. I, I woke up with interviews on my mind, so maybe that's what that's <laughs> all about. How about you guys sleeping okay? Hi, uh, yeah, pretty good. Um, the little one is on kind of a different sleeping schedule because there's no daycare to have to wake up for, so she she's typically a night owl uh, when we don't enforce a strict uh, schedule, so. Oh. It's been inching later and later. <laughs> and, and your and, Which, uh, everything's good. And your daughter's two and a half. Two and a half. Two yeah. and a half. Right. Wow. So she's gravitating back to her uh, night owl schedule. 
Yeah, well, it doesn't help that uh, we just had the time change not that long ago. Oh, so, that's true. Uh, you know, I think it's kind of like this just sort of flipped back to what it was pre that shift. And it's like, ah, okay, fine. So, <laughs> so who has to stay up, you or Amy? Or do you guys trade off? Oh, she, uh, she still goes to bed before us usually because we got to, you know, have some time without uh, the little one, you know, for just sure. adult. Like, let's binge watch our. Uh, Westworld or other shows that right. we can't watch around her. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, this has really disrupted um, our lives a lot. Now you, um, so just so the people listening know what our connection is, um, we met in through Aikido. That's right. Right? And that was, we've known each other, and do you know exact? I don't remember exactly what year that was. Were you still going to UC Davis, or were you just graduated? It, so I started, um, I think, right before maybe I went to UC Davis. Um, so this would maybe have been around 98, you know, time frame, somewhere in there maybe. Okay. When I first started. But I know we didn't really get to know each other until a little later, so probably closer to maybe 99 or 2000, something like that. So, a little over 20 years. That's wild. Well, now that the Avengers movies are done, I don't know what we're going to do. Waiting for the, the next phase. <laughs> well, yeah, the next phase will be letting us out of our houses so we can even go to the movies. I wonder, you know what? What are they going to do with movie theaters? Are they going to make individual cubicles for people to sit in? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, that's one of my... Um, favorite things really to do it's like and that's like one of the things we do a lot like sure. we always go and see uh the new uh big blockbuster like marvel superhero movie or or uh, star wars or whatever lord of the rings and, uh, or whatever it is and yeah yeah and all that stuff kind of like oh i don't want to i'm not even like wanting to go to the theater and i'm thinking like god there's like movies gonna come out pretty soon that i want to see in the theater and and I'm not going to go see that in the theater. So I know. They're kind of disrupting that. The only thing I can think of is that drive-in movie theaters are going to be coming back. Oh, you know what? That I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that would be definitely something that would be a little bit better for folks if they want to. Maybe they're booming right now. I don't know. Yeah, it would be. Um, something I, I wanted to ask you about, too. So, um, for, just so our listeners know, you and I played, when we were uh, housemates, we would play World of Warcraft online <laughs> together a lot. Way too much. <laughs> now, I mean, it was at least two years, wasn't it? Seems uh, like it anyway. Yeah, probably. In a, I think it was a solid two years. Solid two years, yeah. Solid two years. We had no lives. Um, <laughs> but, but what I wanted to ask you about, recently you started um, doing a cartoon strip. Loosely mm-hmm. based on our experiences, but I haven't seen one yeah. in, a, in a week or two. So, have you uh, run out of inspiration? So I or? was uh, <laughs> no, I was um, aiming to do a weekly uh, like web comic for it, and I got three Dan, and then this whole thing with the coronavirus kind of hit, and it's really just it's been like on pause just because of dealing with just shifting and dealing with all of that. Um, I just don't have time. But I was thinking like I. I want to get back to it. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, now that sort of the transition of, okay, we're working from home and this is all happening. We're kind of figuring out how we're going to like schedule our days and do stuff. 
um, I want to kind of make a little time to get back to doing that. Sure, restructuring. So. Yeah, uh, almost everyone that I've talked to talks have talked about this the importance of maintaining some kind of a structure during the day because mm -hmm. it would, can get away from us really quickly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, I'll just share uh, one of the things I was doing a lot for um, making it easier for me to do a web comic on a weekly schedule, just with having a toddler, you know, and and everything else, uh, is. I would work on it uh, throughout the whole week. So um, when I was at work, like on my lunch break or on my breaks, I would work on the script mm. and I would uh, sketch out like what I wanted it to look like and the panels and what, what the you know scene would look like and everything. And so I would spend time over the week figuring all that out, noodling on it. And then uh, near the end of the week uh, on those breaks, I would be sketching it and inking it and coloring it. Pretty much by the weekend, I was done. Or maybe I just had to do a little bit of finish finish mm -hmm, up work mm -hmm. so that when I was home, I was able to just spend time with family. Uh, right. And uh, the, so the challenge is now um, I'm not at work. <laughs> I'm at home and on my breaks. And you when don't I'm have breaks not anymore. necessarily working. No, because it's there's my kid. And it's right. <laughs> so it that's why it's been a little bit of a challenge. I mean, little kids don't have pause buttons. No, it would be nice. and she's not napping like she normally would at daycare because they're very strict about a schedule. And and uh, at home, it's like, no, I don't want to nap. I don't want to nap. So it's like, <laughs> wow. So I can decide later when she falls asleep. Do I want to spend some time with my wife to do what, like things that aren't yeah. revolving around a two-year-old? Or exactly. do I want to exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So these are the things that single people don't think about. Mm -hmm. You know. It's definitely not a bad problem to have. I was thinking about uh, this a lot is that um, in a lot of ways, I'm lucky uh, that in going through all this, you know, it's my wife and I and my little girl. And, and it's a nice, our little family unit is together. And, you know, it's not, we're not by ourselves. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we can kind of have, you know, social interaction. We still are doing it lots of stuff together, hugging, kissing, and just sharing affection like we normally would. Right. Because it's, you know, we figure if one of us gets sick, well, we're pretty much all going to get all sick. All going to get so. sick, yeah. 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 Um, but you can't really, and you can't really tell a two-year-old, like, no, we can't hug right now, so. Exactly. Uh, there's know. no way that she would <laughs> understand that. No, there's yeah. no way. And I don't want to do that, so. No, so, that's good. You know, I, I, I recognize that we're in a, a good situation with when it comes to that. So. Well, that's good. You know, I, yeah, you're, you're right. I was, I did an interview earlier today. Um, and he, uh, is spending time with his family. So they're all, mm -hmm. you know, uh, self-isolating together. Um, and that is nice. It sometimes can be, you know, I think it's one of the, a lot of comedians like to joke about, this is going to really test, people's relationships you know as to whether or not they oh, really can get along oh yeah i saw um an article i think earlier today um and they were talking about basically tips for what to do to kind of avoid uh, getting a divorce <laughs> during all of this and uh oh dear and you know i thought oh man yeah that you know i'm sure that some people that could be a real challenge especially if um you know, with you, you had a bunch of kids, and maybe mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of space, and 
you know, it's just you can't really escape, you know. Right. Um, luckily, uh, our household is uh, it, we don't have quite that where we enjoy. We're both kind of like happy to just be home. Right. We kind of look at it like, hey, this is kind of a preview for what it's like when we're retired. And you know, and that's, so bad. <laughs> and that really that really is true. By the way, it's very yeah. much you're very much experienced what it's like to be retired. Um, oh, that's so true. And I think that some families, um, the dynamic of the family is the spouses don't have shared responsibilities. And that would get old real fast, too. You know, if one, one spouse was expected to do all the, all the work or whatever, and the other one just sort of took it easy. And... Yeah. Well, we try to share a lot, um, Amy and I, anyways. And um, she... Typically, like uh, in a normal day and before all this stuff, uh, she does a lot of the cooking because I'm I'm not I wasn't raised and taught how to cook that much. So yeah, no, my, I feel you there. My contributions there. I, I always feel a little bad that like I don't contribute as much. Like when it's my turn to do something, it's like hey, I'll go out and get something. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and <laughs> uh, nowadays it's like we're like not wanting to do that. So well, um, Amy can teach uh, you how I, to cook, but I'm. Well, she could, but and but honestly, what's happened is You're not motivated. Um, we're just dividing it up because yeah, we're all here throughout the whole day. Um, I'm doing a lot of like cooking breakfast or mm-hmm. lunch and stuff for mm-hmm. us. So I'm cooking like because uh, I could do that. So um, I do like French toast and scrambled eggs, mm. and, uh, bacon, and mm. um, I'm Ooh. also doing like grilled cheeses for uh, Ellie, you know, and stuff. Yeah. So uh, and and. She, I don't think she really ever had grilled cheese before this, and she's just like, I want a grilled cheese. She loves it. So. I love, grilled cheeses um, are bomb. I swear, they are bomb. Well, they are. So when you... Um, easy. <laughs> so one of the things that, you know, our, our, our society is learning a lot of things that they th- didn't think they could do that they can do. It's cha- everything is changing. One of the things that's changing, I think, is this uh, work from home. Um, mm-hmm mentality and, and a lot of people were you know their employers were saying no you can't work from home no you can't work from home now they're working from home and it can be done mm-hmm. i'm wondering if if um i know you work for the state but i'm wondering if mm-hmm. it's you know when when we start putting the pieces of our culture back together whether or not the work work from home um, model will will uh, will continue or whether people will be forced to get back to the workplace I just so I think, um, well, my, my thoughts are that um, for those who can, like a lot of the white collar type of jobs, um, uh, it's gonna, if this is going to be going for an extended period of time, I think it's going to prove that working from home is just as effective in a lot of cases as just being in an office. Um, and if maybe even more so in some ways, uh, it's because... If people are happy and they're motivated, um, they want to do more work. They want to do good work. Uh, just a, as an example, it's the weekend, and uh, this morning I'm, you know, uh, playing with Ellie and feeding her breakfast and stuff. And I'm looking over, and Amy's working on her computer. I'm like, "Are you doing work?" Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, <laughs> do a few things. <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you doing?" It's, it's the, the weekend, weekend. Yeah, exactly. Like, but. 
but she wants to get it done because it's like easy and it's she's like i could do this or scroll on facebook and you know i don't you know i'd rather do this just to get ahead of stuff right and that way later on when it's the work day she doesn't have to worry about maybe being behind and if she needs to take a minute to do something without you she doesn't feel guilty so it's honestly i feel like it you get more maybe out of uh, a person by having this flexibility um, than you would otherwise because otherwise it's like she's like i want i get home and i just want to i hate the commute and i'm I just want to be home and enjoy my family. I don't want to go to work. And uh, now it's, you know, a different kind of a story. So yeah. I think it's, I was going to say the other thing, uh, I think that um, it's also something that people are going to kind of come to and just sort of expect of like, hey, maybe not all the time thing, but I want this to be at least an option or maybe a couple days a week to be able to do it and, mm-hmm. and cut down on the commute and the traffic because it's a bad thing, you know. Well, commuting is a bad thing. It, it's it's bad on so many different levels. I mean, you've got, you know, the environment. You've got you're pumping stuff mm-hmm. into the atmosphere. You're you're yep. you have non-productive time while you're in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, you've yep. got the stress of driving because some drivers are stressful. You know, uh, they're not always yeah yeah. And um, then the, the ride home. By the time you get home, you're tired. So by eliminating that commute. Um, you know, it can be a, a much more enjoyable experience, the job could be. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing, too, it's just, you know, this, uh, just the comfort of being at home as long as... The hard thing for me was I'm, I'm easily distracted. Mm-hmm. And to stay, to stay really focused on my work and um, just to not think that I could, just, you know, I can watch this YouTube video or whatever, whatever I wanted to, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but yeah, but that can happen at work just as easily. Um, yeah, I suppose a it lot could. of my my uh, impression of the there's different styles of management. Right? There's managers who trust their employees, who want a happy, motivated employee, and they know that that's going to get the best result. And then there's managers who don't necessarily trust their employee. And they don't know if they're doing things and they are going to be like, I need to know. I, I see your butt in the seat uh, from this time to this time. And that's how I know that you're being productive. And my uh, experience and observation is that that butts in seat approach never works as good. And um, I think we're going to see that prove out. And I, I think that a lot of the people who are maybe older uh, managers who maybe think in those terms are going to maybe have to rethink it or move aside so that other uh, ideas can start to be uh, actually uh, used, you know, put into practice. Right. It's going to be interesting. You know, this must be a sociologist's dream. You know, what kind of, oh, yeah. this is like, they couldn't make, they couldn't create an experiment this good. How would people mm-hmm. behave, you know, how it's going to be, you know, we're not, the world we're going to, go into after this is not going to look like the world we're leaving it's going to be different there'll be pieces that are the same but it's going to be it's going to be different mm-hmm. so how are your how are your yeah, fo- i'm kind of well i was just going to ask how are your folks doing uh they're okay um they're both kind of recovering from a cold uh so they're coughing a lot and stuff and or allergies or something and 
I'm just kind of worried. That's like, man, you guys sound so bad, but it's not um, COVID-19. So <laughs> that's good, but it is good. It's like, oh, and but it, uh, my dad is, you know, he's a very outgoing kind of guy, and he's an extrovert, and he likes to go out, and so he's just kind of not. He thinks he's being safe, but he's, you know, he's pushing doing it. things that are. Yeah, he's pushing it, and I'm just really worried because my mom is um, being very good about, like, I'm not going out, I'm not doing anything, I'm staying home, but they live together. <laughs> so, right. like, uh, you know, you're, him being a little bit more, uh, you know, loose with stuff, you know, he, he's like, I'm going to go golfing because, you know, I'm not going to be close to anyone. It's like, but you're adding risk that you don't need to add like that's not an essential thing yeah wow well the, you, i think the one thing he did that really kind of i was like oh man is so well he he does a lot of um volunteer work and a lot mm-hmm. of uh, things he's a member of the knights of columbus which is a, a kind of a fraternal organization right to uh, actually help widows but it also like uh, some of the members are widowers or they're just older and he's got a couple of older uh friends through there that they always get together in the morning to have coffee um and uh they're older and they're living home by themselves and i think he wanted to help them by not um having them just stayed home by themselves and maybe getting uh I don't know, bored or lonely. Uh, so he wanted to help keep that routine going. So he's like, they were still going out for coffee. And then uh, where they were going, uh, stopped allowing people to uh, come and, and stay. Right. We were doing takeout. Um, and so he was like, oh, I know we can just you know get our coffee and you guys can come back to my house. And, uh, oh, you know, dear. we can hang out at, at my house. And my mom's like, no, don't do that. And so they worked out this thing where he's like, oh, well, you know, uh, I'll open up my side gate and you can bring your own chairs and then we can <laughs> no, sit man. in the backyard. We'll be in the backyard, but we'll be more than six feet away. And, and I'm just like, I, I understand what you're trying to do, but wow. you, you know, it's not, it's not foolproof. And you know, no, you don't have not. to do this. <laughs> plus, plus, plus so. they're all high risk. Yeah. And that's the other thing is I was like, you know, the people he's inviting, these are people that are in a much higher risk category. So if he does get them sick, that's bad. <laughs> like, well, so I know yeah. he's trying to do, do the right he, who, thing. Who, wants that? Like, who would well, want that on their conscience, right? Yeah. I was reading so it. He's a, starting to figure it out, I okay. think, but it's slow. <laughs> it's slow. I was reading an article about Iceland. Iceland has, um, you know, they've only got like 300,000 and some odd people on the whole, whole, uh, whole island. And they've done a whole lot of testing. And what they discovered was mm-hmm. that roughly 50% of the population um, tested positive, but, mm-hmm. were, but were asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of people running around that don't show any symptoms but are carriers of the right. virus. And that was a major discovery. Right. And because we're mm-hmm. not doing any testing here, that was not something that we were aware of here in the United mm-hmm. States. And so... Um, I may have it and not have any symptoms. You may have it and not have any symptoms. We don't know, yeah. right? And then we may come in contact with a whole bunch of people and none of them have any symptoms. And then we're going to meet that one individual who's vulnerable and they're going to come down mm-hmm. and be sick and either have a lifelong 
uh, disability, respiratory disability, or they'll die. Mm-hmm. That that it's just not, and it's just not, it's not worth it. But because we're not testing, there's no way for us to know what uh, what the threat really is out there. So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully they'll get a vaccine or some mitigating uh, drug that can begin to alleviate some of the some of the some of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I was thinking, um, I was talking to Amy about this the other day, and I don't really like this um, thought uh, process that some people use. But uh, you know, I, I compare this, like how how to behave in this to the arguments people make about um, sex and pregnancy mm-hmm. is, you know, you can use birth control, you can, you know, do other methods. None of those are foolproof. The only foolproof method is abstinence. Right. And, I, and I'm not like an abstinence fan. Like, I think, like, okay, but... It is a good it's analogy, true. though. It, it's, the, it's the only way to be 100%, 100%. certain yep. 100%. is to just not add any risk at all. Right. And it's hard. It is it's really hard because you it's still really have to hard. eat. You still have to do things. And, we're but. still going to the store, you know. We're still, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we go. You guys get out and go for walks. I know that I, I was reading that the some of the parks um, have been closed to children. They're not allowed to play in the parks anymore. Right. Um, is that? Mm-hmm. I, I know you guys have a park in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Is that off limits now, or? I believe that they're closed. We don't go out front uh, and out for walks, um, mostly because uh, we've noticed that a lot of people are out walking a lot and they're not necessarily always maintaining a good distance. Oh. And I think people are just kind of like stir crazy, like I, especially on the weekends, I see like kids riding their bikes around out in the street and and like families walking up and down the street and stopping and talking to each other. And it's like, you know, I mean, I. It just makes me a little uncomfortable when they start saying that it's potentially just airborne, not even necessarily droplets. You're going to be asymptomatic, all this stuff. Like, you know, so we we just we don't really do that. And so we are in the house and in the backyard. And really, the only one who goes outside of those areas is me when I go to the grocery store, and, and that's it. And that's it. Yeah, I guess it's um, yep. it's it's very easy to transmit. This is an mm. easy drug, uh, easy uh, virus to transmit. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what we kind of are thinking. It's it's a it seems very aggressive with its transmission rate, and it's just not adding. It's not worth adding any kind of risk. Uh, really, what it came down to for us is um, at first it was we're not really worried about us per se. I didn't want like my parents to get it if I had it and gave it to them because of the risk. But what we've kind of started to hear about and what very, very concerning is if, let's say, Ellie got it, what's going to happen potentially is she goes to the hospital without us. That's right. And we won't be able to see her uh, and she won't be able to see us. And that's a two and a half year old. Like That's not good. That terrifies me. That, that's not good. That completely terrifies me. So no, I'm not going to put that in any kind of uh, a chance you know i'm going to do everything to prevent it sure oh no absolutely that's not i hadn't really uh i knew i knew on the other end you know a lot of um seniors would go to the hospital wouldn't be able to be visited by their family but i never thought about it from the child perspective that's that's Mm -hmm. so terribly true terribly true 
right. And I think there's a lot of misinformation out there where people are going, oh, children are like essentially immune. But I hear cases where kids are getting it. So I think there's just a lot of um, people making like hopeful leaps of, uh, you know, oh, kids aren't getting it. But that doesn't mean that kids can't. So um, just because it's not a lot, maybe. Right. And so the, I'm, the, I'm I, starting to see more and more that it's worse than people think. And yeah, it is. And, you know, there, there's there, usually if a, if, a, if a young person or a child gets it, there's an underlying health condition that right. al- allowed it to happen. But what they are, they become carriers. Even though, they, I mean, little mm-hmm. kids, were, are, they become carriers. Um, and that would be just as sad because, let's say, uh, you know, either you or Amy were to contract it, then mm-hmm. you'd go to the hospital and you wouldn't be able to get any visitors, mm-hmm. you know. There are also uh, long-term health effects that there are. I think people aren't really kind of understanding right now. If you do go on a ventilator and you are getting lack of oxygen to your system, you're going to have organ damage. You're going to have all kinds of other things that is potentially permanent, like, you know, where yeah. you're going to have long-term health <laughs> costs. Yeah, I saw, I saw a video as to what this, what this virus does to lung tissue, and it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not, um, it can't be healed. So it would, it would, mm-hmm. it would leave permanent, permanent damage to the lungs. Um, right. And it's funny when they, they said, when they, they talk about the various categories of, you know, mild and severe and fatal, they said, <laughs> mild, mild isn't like the sniffles. Miles can right. go, mild can be from, not, from zero all the way to you can't breathe. Right. And I think that's the problem with um, the messaging with this is that people from the get-go, it's been, oh, it's like the flu. Or, oh, it's you could have a mild case. And people are thinking, oh, well, then I don't have to worry. I'm healthy. I'm young. Right. No, this is bad, bad messaging. And I think they're figuring it out, but the damage is kind of done. Yeah, people um, people are figuring it out. Um, I... I I understand a lot of people wanting, you know, basing their perception of the virus and the disease um, on what authority figures are saying because that's kind of how we are taught in this country. You know, you're supposed to trust certain people, right. trust, you know. Um, but after a while, when we actually get to see things on our own and we get to hear people's stories. We get to we start to figure it out and realize that you know what yeah. we need to we need to be a little bit discerning on what we're being told as to is it is it really what's going on or not and and is the person talking whether it's in social media or whether it's a government mm-hmm. official are they really qualified to talk about what they're talking about because um, mm-hmm. I've seen some really crazy things on in social media I'm like and people believing it and I'm like are you are you crazy yeah. are you kidding yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of b- bad info out there, you yeah. know, and so that's why I just keep kind of trying to tell people, or you know, just for myself, rem- reminding myself, you know, just be skeptical. Make sure you're checking the sources. Make it make sure it's reputable, um, and that it's uh, fact based, science based kind of stuff, you know. Right. Right. I think the important thing is in the. And I don't want to stray too much into politics, but the unfortunate thing in our kind of current situation, and especially this country right now, is there's a big uh, anti-science type of 
push, you know, where it's like uh, people just aren't trusting those sources anymore. And, uh, and I think that's dangerous. I, I, it's crazily dangerous. You know, I, there's, something, there's something to be said for, for people who are experts in their field. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something to be said for someone who mm-hmm. understands the scientific method, who mm-hmm. has a history of combating various mm-hmm. viruses, whether it's Ebola or SARS, or mm-hmm. you know, they've they've, yeah. they've dealt with it before. They know how it works. They understand mm-hmm. how right. pandemics unfold, and um, it's important to listen to those people. I mean, they could be wrong. Absolutely, they could be wrong. Oh yeah. But the oh, chances yeah. of them being right are a lot higher. Than someone who doesn't know what they know, you know, right? Yeah, so it's well, it's uh, hard. It's it's it can be hard to find really solid, yeah, you know, information. Yeah, I think the one thing is uh, like you got people are doing mathematical models and everything like that, and you know, yeah, it could be uh, not foolproof, but it's a lot better than someone's just I'm trusting my gut. Or some random person on the internet said so. Now you're you when which you, I realize I'm a random person on the internet right you now. You are a random so person. Don't listen to me. <laughs> no, I know exactly. Do you think that um, one of the, one of the um, there's a common well a couple of people have mentioned it. So uh, it's not, I was going to say it's a common thread, but it's not actually. But a couple of people have mentioned the importance of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, not discernment, but uh, it begins with a D, and, and it's thinking. Um, critical okay. thinking skills. Critical that thinking. That was it. A C. That's close to. <laughs> that means right next to the D. A C is right okay, next right. to the D. So I was close. I was in the ballpark. But okay. You know, you uh, yeah, you. If I remember right, you got your um, degree from UC Davis in philosophy. And, that's right. Yeah. Do you do you feel that that is helping you? navigate the uh, your media consumption and understanding what's going on and being able to ferret out the various threads of information uh, you're getting? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I always... Um, there's one core thing I learned in uh, philosophy, well, like, you know, a logic class in philosophy, and that is that something can be sound and something can be true, and those aren't necessarily the same thing. Hmm. And um, <clears throat> so something that's logically sound is um, uh, pigs are pink. Um, you know, anything that's pink can fly. Therefore, pigs can fly. That's logically sound. It's also bull- <laughs> um, but it's <laughs> To put sound. it bluntly. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know... I think that the problem is you got like a lot of people out there that can um, construct what sounds logically sound and it sounds convincing, uh, but it's also not true. And um, so I think that there's, it's just being able to kind of really stop and think and consider the source and um, just engage your your brain. And if something sounds a little funny, like, oh, I'm going to kind of, look into this a little more and i think um the other thing is a lot of people who are pushing things that are kind of uh not really necessarily true or misinformation they use a lot of hyperbole and uh kind of uh 
a lot of exciting kind of scary kind of things to mm-hmm. kind of overwhelm you mm-hmm. and make you like oh god that sounds really too good to be true or oh that's horrible you know where a lot of science and like actual evidence and and peer-reviewed stuff is kind of dry <laughs> yeah it kind of <laughs> so goes away i remember there was, the problem there was one article that i saw and i looked at it and i'm like nah, there's no way so i i read it and and um so then I went online and I put it in the Google search engine and articles came up on the same thing and I started clicking on them and they all quoted each other. There was no, there was, there, there was, there was, there was no original source. It was, it was just, it was like, I, cause I usually, yeah. I try to have at least two, uh, two to three sources of information independent um, for me before right. I, before I'm really ready to, to maybe this is what's going on. And there were a bunch of them, and but they were all quoting each other, or quoting mm-hmm. the same the same one source. They're just repeating over, right. repeating and repeating. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, this has got to be wrong, man. If they can't, if they, I can't find three independent sources, then it, something's wrong here. So, right. But it, it takes a little bit of extra work. But most people don't do that, right? Most people don't do that. Yeah, most people don't do it. You know, it's like they are they they see a headline and they're like, well, that's obviously true. I, it, it 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 reinforces what I already believe, and so it's got to be true, and I'll just yeah. run with it. Well, there's a, I don't know if you know, there's a, I'm, you probably do, but there's a studies uh, that show that misinformation uh, spreads faster than actual factual information, and uh, one of the reasons why is because uh, we're kind of ingrained to um, get our, like, uh, I'm assuming like our fight or flight type of system to like uh, really kind of actively seek out things that are seem very scary mm-hmm. and um, put more importance on it. So when people use those emotionally charged, you know, things to like get you either very concerned, very uh, up, you know, worried, uh, that stuff is like wildfire. It just spreads so fast. But the stuff that's very even tempered and, you know, factual like this is what really is the situation it's we just don't have that kind of response and it's kind of a bad thing yeah i i I don't i think i might have read that i didn't wasn't something i remembered readily but that makes sense you know because we 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 read something that upsets us it gets our adrenaline going and and that speeds us up basically the other thing is like when you look at like social media um we're kind of in echo chambers now, right? Because you, you start the algorithms kind of feed you things that you like. Right. So if you right. like a lot of stuff and it's in line with your thought process, uh, you just kind of it's going to make it worse and worse and worse. And so I know I've heard a lot of criticism of that that people are trying to help uh, or convince these big companies to change those algorithms to help reduce that kind of thing, but it's. It's not really in. The, it's weird. It's not in their economic interest, right? Because no, it's not. Your their their driver is engagement, and right. what engages you is stuff that you are gonna like. We have a hard time putting ourselves in a position that makes us uncomfortable, where we have to listen to a viewpoint that differs from our own, and uh, and I think that's the problem. Is you can't get that with engagement. You you know if that's your only driver. Mm-hmm. So. It, it's a, it's a tough nut to crack. It is a tough nut, you know. I, you look at you know if you go on face if you have a Facebook account, or a Twitter account, mm-hmm. or Instagram, or any of those, 
And you go on there and you look at the number of people you have as friends, let's say. And then you look at the number right. of people you actually see on your thread as you scroll through and you're like, where is everybody? Or have they mm -hmm. blocked? Has everybody blocked me? I mean, what's the deal here? You know? <laughs> and I, and I think, I, I just think that's, you're right. I think, I think that Facebook chooses what we get to read, mm -hmm. which is kind of scary to have that yeah. much control over. It's almost, it, they're almost uh, crafting our culture for us. Uh, and they are, and there's actually been, um, um, in, like, uh, experiments that they have uh, done uh, on what kinds of people to target with certain things and how people respond, and they, they measure the engagement that the people have to those um, types of things. So they're, they're constantly tweaking those algorithms, you know, to, and they, they run experiments specifically to try to nudge people emotionally into different directions hmm. just to see how people respond wow. and, you know it's, it's kind of a little scary <laughs> it is i would wager anything that your your average person has absolutely no idea what an algorithm actually is <laughs> you know we talk about them all the time but mm -hmm. do we really have we ever seen one do you know what it is do you know how it works you know i don't know it's just weird i know you i know you uh you do. You work a lot with computers, not necessarily in the world of algorithms, but um. no, not really. But I mean, uh, really focused algorithms and stuff are geared towards certain um, purpose, and that's not really my area. But right, um, yeah, it's they're out there everywhere. The algorithms are driving a everything. lot, uh, everything, everything, and the stuff that you don't even really realize. I mean. I, my understanding is algorithms are driving things like the the light cycles for you know stoplights and stuff like that. I mean, the, really? you're, you're going to encounter them in the everyday world, whether you know it or not. It's like the matrix. Um, it's like the, the metered, matrix. Yeah, the metered um, uh, lights on on ramp during rush hour traffic. They're they have cameras. You know, they're measuring how many uh, cars are going by, uh, so they can make a calculation of the amount of traffic. How long should they have people wait before they enter? And all that stuff's algorithm-based wow. kind of uh, stuff. So. so I'm thinking. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking there's a, there's a lot of bored algorithms out there. They don't have anything to do right now. What if they all got? What if they? <laughs> yeah. all, what if they all Those, got together? What if they all got together right and, and created a super algorithm that took over the world? That'd make Maybe a good the algorithm, algorithms real revolt, and they'll say, you know what? I don't care that there's no traffic. I'm making this light a red light. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Because <laughs> I want to. <laughs> <laughs> That'd make a good movie, don't you think? <laughs> I think they made movies about algorithms revolting. <laughs> the revolt of the algorithm. Most post-apocalyptic things like Terminator, <laughs> I'm sure. That would be You know, there's two people I know that would watch it, you and me. <laughs> I mean, if anyone goes and watches the Japanese vampire movie, Samurai Vampires, oh or whatever that was, we'll, we'll <laughs> oh watch my God. just about anything. <laughs> that was a weird movie. That was a strange movie. Yeah, we've we've had some, <laughs> we've done some stupid, crazy stuff. But it's always fun to go to. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing. You know, someone posted that. What are the first three things you're going to do when when the stay-at-home thing gets lifted? I couldn't think of it, but you know, one of the things we used to go to Berkeley at least once a year on the train, and mm -hmm. that was always something that I looked forward to, always. Yeah, 
Yeah, me too. It's going to happen nice, now. Uh, we'd go in the spring, and I was thinking this is the the time of year when we would be like, oh, let's make a trip over there. Yep. And yeah, probably not this year. Not this year. Not this year. Maybe I could like put a like a GoPro in one of the seats of the train. <laughs> and I could watch it go. A virtual adventure. A virtual train trip. Man, you know, it, you remember Demolition Man, right? Mm-hmm. So much of that movie, I, I just, just coming back, it's like, wow, they were very um, insightful as to what the future was going to be like in that stupid movie. You know, there's no mm-hmm. touching and no toilet paper. No, they had no toilet paper. Remember that? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just crazy. Yeah, the world's going to be really different. I was... Um, just because it's fresh in my mind, I really hadn't thought about it till earlier in, in a previous interview. I'm wondering whether we're going to have some collective PTSD around social contact when we start going back out. Oh, I think so. Uh, I know that um, Amy and I have talked about when the whenever the official, you can leave the house and go back out and stuff. It may be like, mm, we'll take a little bit longer. <laughs> we'll might. wait a while. And, you know, and it's like, and we're so used, you know, some, some people are, they like to hug, shaking hands. And the scary thing about this virus was we had it and didn't know it. So when the next virus comes, and it's going to come, are we going to have it and not know it? Are we going to spread it and not know it by just our everyday social interactions of shaking hands and hugging and, um, and are people going to be thinking twice before shaking hands and hugging? I mean, it's a yeah, weird, I'll tell it's you a, a story thought. real quick. Um, yeah, I, I am a, I like to shake hands with people and stuff, and, or do some kind of a thing like that. But usually, especially as a greeting or like a thank you. Mm-hmm. And um, I was getting my car serviced um, right before this last stay at home order kind of came down but the the kind of the news about this was sort of out there already um, and social distancing hadn't really started yet but it was kind of coming and i went to go pick up my car after it was done and saw the rep you know who was helping me and i reached out to shake his hand to say thank you for you know Mm -hmm. uh, working on the car kind of thing and uh, he shook my hand but as i was doing it i realized that this is probably not the best idea. Hmm. And um, and it is, was so just ingrained in me, you know, that it's like one of those unconscious uh, responses that you do with people. Right. And, and I was going, oh, my God, I probably should not have uh, done that, <laughs> you know. Oh, no. It might have been awkward for him, too, of like, sure. oh, I, you know, this guy wants to shake my hand, you know. Like, he might, not, he might not have wanted to, but because it's a business right. deal, you know, it's like I don't want to offend yeah. the customer by pulling right. by pulling back or saying, oh, no, I'm not going to shake your yeah. hand. Right. You know, or pulling out, a, so immediately just, pulling out one of those sanitizer wipes and wiping his hands down after he shakes your hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I turned, I, well, luckily I turned around and there was a bottle of Purell and I was like, oh, I'll use that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, things have changed. Things have changed a lot. Things have changed yep. a lot. So, what are you guys going to do the rest of the day? I mean, today's your Saturday, but what are you going to? What do you? What do you have planned today? Well, it's a kind of rainy day, so I think we're just going to 
uh, we're going to stay in. <laughs> Yay. And we're going to probably watch some movies or something. I think we'll just stay in today. Take it easy. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you, uh, last weekend, um, it was a nice, beautiful uh, weekend, and I just looked at them and I said, you guys want to just go for a a drive? And um, I was like, yeah, you know, so we just got in the car, and we just drove, Mm. and there was not much traffic out there. There were more cars out there than I thought, but there wasn't really all that much traffic. And we just drove, and um, I'll tell you, it's it an inter- interesting experience because we didn't have a destination. We just wanted to drive. Yeah, sure. Just be out of the house. And uh, we ended up driving all the way to Fairfield. Oh, and, wow. And, um, yeah, we just just, just drove. And, um, and now, did you take the freeway or did you the, take back roads? Yeah, we, were, yeah, we were on the freeway, and it was fairly quiet. And we were just looking around, and it's like, gosh, when, when you're not going, you know, with any particular place in mind, mm-hmm. Uh, you can really enjoy looking around more and just pre- it's like wow this is really beautiful out here you know the countryside is really pretty the little those foothills the mountain, uh, the trees and everything's really green and um, it, like a little bit of clouds in the sky and it was really pretty and we just kind of like you know it's nice when you can actually slow down and mm-hmm. just enjoy mm-hmm. um, what's around you I mean so much like like it's funny like we're driving down the road we're passing through Vacaville and uh, Amy's like looking at some stores like oh I didn't know that they had that store here like it's you're just so we're always so tunnel vision I think because yeah. um, we're just so busy yeah and that's and now it's like all of that noise is kind of gone and we feel like so much less stress and we can just um, just focus on what's important right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it's like we're so much more observant when we were out, it was really amazing, you know, just a- appreciating what's out there. Normally, I wouldn't give it a second thought or, or even notice it. No, because we're focused on where we're going, not where we are. Mm-hmm. You right. know, and I think, you know, I, there, are, there are some, you know, pluses coming out of this experience, as bad as it is and as horrific as it is. Mm-hmm. I think that our, our society is learning some just collective lessons about life that we had been able to ignore because we could afford to ignore it. Mm-hmm. We, and, in, and maybe we didn't even know we were ignoring it. You know, it wasn't, it doesn't, you know, until you stop to smell the roses, you don't know there are roses. Mm-hmm. You discover roses. Yep. That's a good story. I remember when, when my family moved, first moved to Auburn in 68. On the weekends, mom would pile my sister and I into the car and off we would go. We would pick a different direction each time and we'd just spend mm-hmm. the afternoon exploring that part of uh, California and just driving all over the mm-hmm. place. We went all over the place that one summer. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, that's a, it's a lot of fun where, you know, this is the direction we're going in. We don't really have a destination in mind. We're just going to go. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And we can still do that right now. I was thinking that someday there'll be airlocks for cars, right? So you'll, you'll, you'll open your front door and there'll be a plastic tunnel you have to walk down to get to, to, get to your car, you know, it'd be an airlock. Hopefully not quite, hopefully not quite that bad, but yeah, we, you know, we just, we stayed in the car. We didn't get out. We right. didn't stop for anything. Just 
we're in the car to drive and right. just experience something other than the house, and, and then we came home. There you go. <laughs> it was so funny today. I was walking, and I saw a driver um, who had a uh, an air filter mask on but as, as he was driving his car. And I'm like, why do you have a mask on in your car? That didn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, I guess that if there was if, if more than one person drives that car, I guess I could see that you don't want to get the virus on the steering wheel. But he didn't have gloves on. So I didn't understand. I didn't understand what the, you know, it's like, take the mask off, brother. You don't need the mask in the car. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny to me. It just struck me as being funny. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting that the mask thing is very strange because um, they say that you really only need to be wearing those if you're sick, right, right? right? Or if you're like a healthcare worker and stuff and you're just around it all the time. And so when I see people out wearing a mask, it's just very strange, like, are you sick? Are you even, should you even be here? You know? No, no, or no. are you just paranoid? Like, are you I just don't paranoid? Know. I'm going to. I'm going to avoid this person, <laughs> more so than other people. So uh, a couple of my friends were concerned about the length of my beard and the use of masks. So I've done a little research, and uh, the graphic that people keep referring to is something that is used for uh, men who wear the N95 mask that needs to be sealed around the face. Uh, it is not uh, uh, guidelines for using a cloth or surgical mask because those don't protect from actually catching uh, the virus. The other thing that transpired after our interview was that the CDC decided that it was best for people to wear masks all the time if they were going outside uh, it wasn't going to protect anyone from catching the virus themselves from other people, but what it was going to do was to prevent the individual wearing the mask from spreading the virus. So I decided to go ahead and trim my beard, and I've been wearing a cloth mask that my daughter made. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, those are the changes that have, that have occurred since this um, interview. So let's go back to it. Are they going to? Maybe they're going to rob me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But it's weird. Like I, I was reading about in China when this first was getting started, that uh, people when they went out, it started to get to the point where every single person was wearing a mask, and mm -hmm. if you weren't, then you were the one who was like, people were looking at you funny, like, "What are you doing out here without a mask?" <laughs> like. Well, you know, it's funny that their air quality was so bad that people were wearing masks because of the air quality. Right. Um, even before, you know, the virus made itself known to the world. So, I'm, you know, there's a, a whole culture of mask wearing, too. I, um, it's funny. I, I had a false alarm, thought that I had been exposed to someone who had been, you know, like yeah. second person removed kind of a thing. Right, um, right. And so I called the advice nurse at the hospital, at the clinic, and talked to her for a while. And um, she, uh, I told her that, well, you know, I help participate in handing out food at the cathedral. And I explained mm -hmm. how we do it. We have gloves and the Purell, and 
we keep our distance. We have a series of tables that we use so we don't actually come in contact with uh, um, the unhoused folks uh, downtown. And then she asked me, she says, so do you wear masks? Ding. Weren't wearing masks. She said, you need mm-hmm. to wear, wear a mask. So I, I showed up um, this last time, and there was uh, a mask there designated for me. Um, but I didn't realize what my how my beard was going to interfere with the mask. Yeah, you're, I was just thinking about that. You need to shave that thing. <laughs> well, I, I see it as its own filter of sorts, you know. <laughs> it's, it's fairly porous, but it is a filter. It does filter some things. <laughs> You know, I, and and maybe. F- for health for health reasons, I'm going to have to really think about it. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's worth it to shave it off right now. You know, it's, it, it's taking a while to grow it, mm-hmm. but maybe yeah. maybe my health is more important than my beard. Huh? That's a thought, isn't it? You know, it's funny. It's I, I'm also in the same boat, even though my beard's not quite as big as yours. Uh, it's I've I kind of considered that because. I was looking at a chart, and they showed like all these different facial hair things that are okay with a uh, with a mask. Uh-huh. And there's only really like a mustache or a very little soul patch type of thing that's okay. okay. So I could I could keep uh, I could keep a soul patch and a mustache. <laughs> you, you could do that. Uh, maybe I should. But I guess even a goatee is questionable. Maybe I should so. do some, maybe I should do some research before I go crazy and just shave it all <laughs> off. And yeah, they had a chart, and it was like all of these different facial things with like a check marker, a red X, you know, like on it. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I thought, dear. oh, that's handy, and I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh dear! Well, it looks like I'm gonna. Have... You know what? I just, I I knew it at the time, and someone made a comment because it kept slipping off my beard, and they're like, you know, it's not mask really isn't doing a whole lot for you. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's the, it's the thought that counts, though, right? It's the illusion. Of, <laughs> it's the illusion of protection. Um, but now that I'm talking to you about it, I'm th- I'm, I'm probably going to end up trimming it down or shaving it off, so that that mask will fit. The sad thing is, is that um, I'm going to have to use that same mask over again. Oh. Yeah. Oh wow. So and yeah, so it's still, it's not optimal. Mm-hmm. But it's probably better than nothing. You know, yeah. And if anything else, one of the things they say is it, it helps you keep from touching your face, and mm-hmm. it it also is a signal to others that I'm stay away from me. You know, keep my keep your distance from this guy. He's rabid or something. You know, there's other ways you could do that too. <laughs> well, I'm thinking that if everyone just stopped bathing, we wouldn't have to have we wouldn't have a problem with social distancing. We would just now na- until well, I'm already our, ahead of the game on that. Well, until <laughs> until our noses got accustomed to the smell, and then we then we'd have to do something else. <laughs> then we could start bathing, and then the person who doesn't smell is the person that's weird. Well, what else do we want to talk about? You want to talk about anything else today? Or are we are we are we about completed? I, I thought we didn't really have that much to talk about. I mean, <laughs> well, we make stuff up, you know. <laughs> And and we laugh and we say stupid things and then there are words I can't remember and that takes up time. And before you know it, you're in yeah. The, hey, I want that time back. That, that I want that. You want that? What's the what's the I word? Want that time back. What's what's the word that the that the people use in in Congress? I'm 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 uh, when they take their time back. Oh, oh God. You know what I mean? Um, 
I know what you're talking about. I can't and remember because you can't remember now. I can't remember. So thank you for that. <laughs> you think you think you think that's a communicable disease? Re, re, reclaiming. Reclaiming. My time. I'm reclaiming my time. Very good. Yep. Yes. I'm reclaiming my time. So you want to reclaim your time? <laughs> <laughs> I want to reclaim my time. <laughs> I'm reclaiming my time. Yeah, you oh, cost me a few Lord. minutes at least with not remembering that uh, word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finishing my coffee. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I uh, stumbled on some clips from "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou," and I just laughed so hard. You know, oh my God, that was such a great movie. <laughs> you know, I, my hair, <laughs> my hair, my hair. So someone, someone, someone was posted up something about this being a, a difficult time, and so I went out there and I found the clip where um, they're in the barn, and uh, the the the. The sheriff has come for him. They're being turned in by the, by that guy's kin, right? He's mm-hmm. like, my hair. And he goes, <laughs> damn, we're in a tight spot. Damn, we're in a tight spot. Damn, we're in a tight spot. And I just, you know, it's just, it's one of those movies. It's that The Big Lebowski and Oh Brother Where Art Thou, those are movies that just, they just keep on giving. They've got so many great one-line memorable, and it's applicable to everyday life, you know? So you wake up in the morning. Yeah, because you're always in a tight spot. <laughs> well, you know, you wake up in the morning, the first thing you say is, my hair. <laughs> I'm no Dapper I guess Dan. This, uh, I ain't no Dapper Dan, man. Say, Damn, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> I ain't no Dapper Dan, man. Or I am a Dapper I ain't. No, oh, I don't wear no fop. I'm a Dapper Dan, man. That's a classic. <laughs> All right, dude, I think I'm going to pull the plug on this, okay. on this interview. Well, this was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I, even though the video is a bit laggy, I think it's worth it for us to be able to see each other and make eye contact. And it adds, it adds, a, it makes it a little bit more personable, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. Yeah, sweet. So I will, uh, I'll let you go back to your busy day so you can stay inside. All right. And yes, it's such a busy, busy day. I know, busy, busy, busy day. And I'll talk with you soon. All right. Take All right, it easy. my friend. You too. Bye bye. Produced by me, Chris Jensen. Technical consultant is David Patterson of Drowning Man Productions. You can catch David on the podcast Wasting All the Time, where he, with three others, will entertain you with their improvisational comedy. Podcast art provided by Dave Edwards. You can follow Dave on Instagram at EvilDaveTM. Music for my life and welcome to it is Night by Ixon. That's I-K-S-O-N. And is available on SoundCloud. More information can be found in the program notes. Thanks always to Anchor for providing free hosting. You can visit their website at anchor.fm. Well, that's all for now. Be safe. Be well. And God bless.